This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody, and thanks so much for joining us on our latest Rays podcast. Obviously, I wish here on October 11th, uh, this type of podcast were coming a lot later in the postseason, but it is here. The race season ended over the weekend uh, in very difficult fashion, and for each of you, it may take a certain amount of time to get over it. I'll be honest. I'm probably not over it yet, but we are here, and I figured it was a good time to do our first podcast of the off season. And on the podcast today, we're going to do a sit down with Eric Neander, the race president of baseball operations, get his feeling on what didn't go right against Cleveland, how they try and move forward and how long it takes actually to move past it. And beyond that, we're also going to have a chat with Jeff McLaren, who's director of minor league operations. Obviously the Rays rely every year heavily on their farm system to continue to add talent to the system. So we'll be chatting about that uh, and uh, getting some perspective on if anything that the Rays may be changing in the off season as they get ready for 2023. All of that to come. We start with Eric Neander and first asked his take on why he felt the Rays weren't able to get past Cleveland. Yeah, we just, this was a year we struggled to find our footing. Um, just didn't seem like things could quite sync up the way that, that we wanted to. And I think despite a sizable amount of adversity uh, through the course of the season, namely injuries and We've dealt with pitching injuries. That's part of it. But to our position players and our experienced position players, um, you know, I think that's that's something that that really took a toll on this group. And uh, we were fortunate enough to, to to battle and couldn't be more proud of this group's resiliency to have the opportunity to play postseason baseball, given everything we went through this year. Uh, but at the same time, when it came down to it, you know, talked about the struggle to sync up. Uh, I think we had our pitching pretty well synced up at the end our hitting unfortunately uh not not there at that moment and uh it's you know one run in two games and 23 innings am I right on that 23 plus 24 uh thank you um you know that's uh it's not going to get it done and um we'll now on to figuring out how to do it better next year Is there anything you would have done differently in hindsight? I know a lot of fans were upset about resting guys at the end of the regular season, and you did end up losing your last seven if you count the postseason. Would you have done differently if you had to do it again? Yeah, I I think this is something that has taken on a little bit of a a life of its own. Um, I think there was some collective sensitivity to things written suggesting that there are opponents more desirable than others um i can promise everyone that that certainly was not the case uh when you look at the decisions that were made um a few things Uh, one the pitching side certainly once we clinched a postseason spot and once the opportunity to 
host a wild card round at home were no longer possible. So really you're down to like the last four days of the season, I believe. Um, we, we did everything possible to freshen up, our, line up our pitching and freshen up our pitching going in. Uh, our relievers, you know, we managed very carefully at the end. We lined up our starters. We managed their workload very carefully. Uh, to the extent that we got to see our pitching this postseason, um, I think that worked out just fine. The position player side uh, was something where you have Wander with the hamate and the lingering soreness that's just going to happen with that all the way until the offseason, until he comes back the following year. That's not unique to him. That's the history of this injury and, and what comes with it. You know, being a little careful with him, but him still playing plenty. Uh, Yandi, a lingering shoulder throughout the year. Uh, we've seen him with limited reps in the past uh, just pick up running at full speed, <laughs> you know, offensively. Um, and, you know, he was he was someone that was protected a little bit down the stretch. But beyond that, our position players played. And, you know, they just weren't hitting their best at the end of the year. Uh, but in no way, shape, or form. And we had a really tough September schedule. This was, you know, we were trying to win games. Uh, we didn't win as many games in September as we would have liked to win games. I think when it comes to resting and preparing our group for the postseason, that's something that was more pitching focused um, in general and was limited to really last three, four days. On the position player side, just a few guys, like I said, with Wander, Yandi being the prime examples that have been battling stuff. Manny Margot with the knee, you know, and just making sure our best chance to have made a run with that group is to ensure their health and their strength going in um, and believe that that we did that um beyond that you know our group played it just wasn't uh the, the hits weren't coming for a lot of them right there at the end and unfortunately that carried over the two games we played you brought up health you had over 2200 days missed the team that beat you had the fewest in the league in 700 how do you change that because the last two years you've had your fair share of injury maybe more so this year on the position player side yeah i think that's the big distinction i think with with pitching um, you've, you know, there, you, you, there's going to be injuries. Uh, that is, that is part of pitching. I think that's part of pitching today. Um, you know, when it comes to the amount of power and stuff that, that, the players are, are bringing to the mound, um, that that's not an excuse. There's a lot of questions, uh, when it comes to, to maintaining the health of our group, the well-being of our pitching group that we'll spend time on. Um, but, Injuries are part of pitching, and that's something that showed up this year, unfortunately, and it's shown up in past years. And we've been able to, to demonstrate the ability to overcome that and still assemble really strong pitching staffs. And our group at the very end of the year is probably as strong as it's perhaps ever been, um, which gives us confidence in the next year. But the, the position player injuries that we encountered this year, I think, was unlike anything that we've ever quite experienced before. And... If I'm not mistaken, I think I saw something the other day, but the Kiermaier, Wander, Brandon Laus, and Eno, you know, that that group up the middle that uh, was so critical to our success last year, and aside from Wander, our success the last couple of seasons, um, I think they played a total of 12 games together this year. And that is something that we haven't experienced. That is something that is really difficult to, to overcome. But when you look at the injuries that we had on the position player side of the ball, it's, there's not a common theme necessarily. You got, you know, Margot and the knee against the wall, you know, Harold with the hit by pitch, Wander the swing and the handmate, which is a baseball injury and takes a lot of time to get to the other side, the power. Um, 
Z, you know, non-throwing side thoracic outlet. Uh, never heard of such a thing. <laughs> Learned a lot. Um, that's the part to me that is a little more of an anomaly. Uh, really hurt our chances and our competitiveness this year, but also something that I think when you look at the history of keeping position players healthy uh, is not something that that shows up in a repetitive way through injuries like that. So again, not an excuse. We're going to have a lot of questions uh, that we'll, we'll work through to figure out if there's things we can be doing better. Um, but we're optimistic the position player group will be healthier next year and that Injuries on the pitching side want to do a better job of limiting them and managing them, uh, but they are also just part of the cost of doing business to throw in baseballs. Can you limit the pitching based on the fact that there's no lockout this year? And what I mean by that, you look at some of the injuries you had earlier in the year. You had an oblique to Patino. You had, you know, Fleming was hurt before he came into camp, Shane Boz early in camp. You, you guys are very hands-on normally. Are you going to be more hands-on this offseason to try and limit some of those issues going forward? Yeah, the, look, the communication with young players that are spread out all over the country, all over the world, uh, giving them guidance, um, staying close with them, uh, making sure they have what they need to have a successful winter and to be really in tune with where they are and what they're trying to do, that's critical. And it's not an excuse. We didn't encounter anything this past offseason that anybody else didn't encounter. But especially with young players, um, that, that guidance, that communication through an offseason is really important to them coming in and being the best that they can be. And certainly something that we look forward to having back this winter and believe it'll be helpful to us, perhaps disproportionately so because of our youth, uh, as we look ahead into next year. As you look ahead to next year with the position players, let's touch on that. How do you determine who's going to be a year better versus a year older only? And how hard is that with such a young group? Yeah, I, I think you got to take a, a good look at the talent you have and trust in the talent, which ones will be a year better and which ones will only be a year older. I think baseball history suggests it's going to be some of both when you have young players. Um, which ones are which, I, we're always working to make our crystal ball better, but it's not that good. Um, I think we're lucky enough and fortunate enough to have a lot of really talented young players that took some licks this year, that gained a lot of invaluable experience that I'd bet on most of them, if not all of them, being better for that. Um, but which ones ultimately come out the other side and establish themselves in the way that Isak did today, you know, this year in his third opportunity in the big leagues? Um, time will tell. Uh, but believe they will be better for the experiences and you know we're not counting entirely on them but we're counting on them to have good winners and to be a part of our success as we move forward do some in the in the past guys who are young used to always go get winter ball reps are you okay with guys getting winter ball reps and how many of them will and how helpful can that be yeah i think um certainly for position players uh keeping the motor running having those experiences i think it's just gathering at bats um can be helpful. I think just gaining experiences, life experiences, playing in uh, some of the winter ball environments, there's there's a lot of benefit to to doing all of that and, and, and living that, that they can come back and, and serve you better and accelerate your, your maturation um, in the years ahead. So something that we're always open to. Um, I think typically it, it works best when the player wants to is driving it and they want to do it. Um, I think when you're asking players to go down there and participate and they're not as excited about it for one reason or another, or they have other you know, priorities, you know, be it strength development, be it just frankly rest sometimes, um, 
it's not as successful. So we're open to it. Players want to go and play, and I think we'll have a few that, that will. Um, we're kind of organizing that right now. Um, we're, we'll always be behind it. In terms of the position players, what's the greater need right now? Balance, because it seemed like you guys were much more right-handed in, in the second half of the year, or power, where you guys were at the bottom of the league the second half of the year in terms of home runs? Yeah, we've talked about, you know, be allowed the 39 homers. He's 30-plus. I forget his exact number last year. You know, those two in particular, just how much losing a couple of guys what kind of difference that can make to your bottom line power production when you look at the spread of homers across the league. Um, you know, Wander's certainly capable of more if not for the handmate um, and so on. But I think, you know, first we have to assess what this roster is most likely to look like healthy, um, how, to, how to best cover it for any unexpected developments from a health standpoint as well as a performance standpoint. Uh, We'll see. I, I think we recognize that we need to find our way to more power one way or another um, when we look at our roster uh, going into next year. Some of that, I think, will be a matter of Bilal being healthy, Wander being healthy, a year older, a year stronger, um, and so on. But, you know, that's that's something that we need to, to make sure of um, because it's, it's hard to win without it. Uh, and then the handedness you touched on. I, as long as I've been here, I don't recall uh, a unit – you know, having having as many difficulties as this one did with right-handed pitching, um, and in particular our hitters that were, you know, in the left-handed batter's box, uh, and that's something that I trust that we'll find our way back to to being stronger. Um, I think even the players we had, you know, collectively were players from you know DP David Peralta to to Choi, um, you know, and to. Aranda to Josh Lowe to you know the numerous that, that had opportunities this year um, I think that group was collectively capable of more unfortunately you know just wasn't their their year their um, their second half so to speak um, that, that gave us a hard time there down the stretch you mentioned Peralta you had to add him but you lost at one point you had Kier Myers and Nino Margot all in the injured list and those are probably three of your more established players since only Margot is signed into next year, how important is it for you to add, via trade or free agency, some sort of players that are established and can give you that veteran presence in the clubhouse and on the field? Yeah, we we speak to it a lot, and it's not just a, a talking point. I think you saw, certainly in the middle months of this year, when you're counting on a lot of young players that have never done it at the major league level before, just how difficult that is. And if they don't have people to... You know, they can put their arm around them and tell them it'll be okay. Um, you know, that's that's tough, you know. And that was, you know, David Peralta gave us a huge boost. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you saw our team uptick, you know, late July and August the way that it did by just way of having someone like him around that can, can help guide these players. So, yeah, and we spoke to it, what we lost, you know, and those players have been – vital to the success we've had the last few years um you, you absolutely feel it we've lived it it only reinforces the importance of that when we are thinking about how to construct our roster um you know having the right veterans and having the right established players that fit so we'll be on the lookout for it some of that will be guys that come back from the group we have and and some of it might be from outside the organization as we look to to see you know how to best put this puzzle together for next year how do you balance that in defense because i know you said the Look, run prevention was really good, but 
by a lot of metrics, you guys were a middle-of-the-pack defensive team this year, not an elite defensive team that you've been. And I know to get where you want to go, you want to get back to that. Yep. I, it, it's a tough one to look, I think, at our season-long numbers and uh, evaluate where we'll be next year, you know, by, by way of looking at those, those those totals because it's just been such a mishmash of, of talent and of roster you know, throughout the – the course of the of the season I think you know when game one of the postseason you know Syrian center is as good a center fielder as there is Wander defensive is pretty special and the only reason perhaps he's not thought of even more highly is because of walls and just how good he is um, so I think the strength of our defense up the middle is something that very much is is in place I think we're athletic you know in the outfield corners and and that's there um, but yeah, I think there's opportunities to, to fortify that group defensively. But I, I think we also have positions, be it the DH, be it the first base, uh, where you know historically are more offensive oriented, and I think we have room to improve in those areas with the players that we could potentially bring back, or you know by outside additions. How hard is that right now with your 40 man? It seems to be pretty tight, and you've got a lot of really hard decisions. Do you need to make? There's sometimes where you guys would get three or four for one. Do you almost have to do that sometimes in reverse, potentially? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a focal, you know, focus of it has been a focus for some of our staff uh, over the last few months to try to get ahead of managing that and preparing ourselves for uh, possibilities and scenarios that may come into play over the next month here. Um, you know, that's that's a factor. You know, we our 40 man roster, how many pitchers we're going to be carrying how many position players, how many of those 40 are equipped to contribute to our major league team, you know, the first month, month plus of the season. That's all really important. So we're going through that, um, and it, it's something that we're fortunate the last few years that's been a challenge to, to manage. Um, we're glad that's a challenge to manage and uh, will be a focus of ours, like I said, over the next month to make sure we – put ourselves in a position going into the end of November, December uh, with the, the right mix there. You've been so good as a group at looking forward. You were in the bottom third of shifting this year in terms of defense, and you have an athletic group. How much would the banning of the shift, do you think, help you more so than other clubs? And do you have to kind of look at ways to take advantage of how the new rules may help you given your, let's say, resource constraints? Yeah, it's a nice way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I so much like I spoke to having a group of staff that are focused on uh, preparing for our forty-man management. Um, we have another group of staff that are focused on uh, updating our player evaluation methods for rule changes, and those are downloads we'll get as a larger group, you know, over the next several weeks, and and we'll have a better sense of how much those will come into play. I don't think it will drastically alter the types of players that we prioritize um but to what you just said i think the way we position our defense given our athleticism some of the players we have now has gone to the spot of perhaps being less aggressive than than the average team so in that sense i think the effects on our defense might be less than to other teams and i think offensively for our group that's you know has a lot of foot speed, a lot of athleticism, the, the pickoff rules, the base sizes, these things could be to their benefit. And, um, you know, our hitters aren't uh, immune to the to the shift themselves. And uh, there's certainly plenty of them that'll, that'll welcome uh, the fielders being a little more spread out. And that 
perhaps being to their benefit that much more so because of the foot speed once they reach base. And as you touched on your staff, a couple things there. Stan Borowski retiring, Paul Harker retiring. How quickly will those slots be filled and will they likely be internal? And then beyond that, how is Pete Fairbanks after his injury in the last game that you guys played? Yeah, um, those are two people that have been you know, linchpin in our organization, our major league clubhouse for a long time here. And we appreciate both of them. We congratulate them both on their retirement and wish them nothing but the best and their big shoes to fill. Uh, I, I think that, you know, when we look to, to next steps, the, uh, the, the medical components, that's something that those conversations still to be had as we work through that and what that means, the coaching staff part of it, that's been active um, and not yet in a position to announce things, but would anticipate that being something in short order that uh, we'll have resolved and um, a good chance that we have deserving people internally that'll get a look for that and that's where it'll come from but want to move quickly to make sure we have our staff in order and um, you know couldn't think more highly of the group we had and to to go through a season the way that they just did with all the challenges and still find a way to get this team the postseason speaks a lot about them despite the ending and want to make sure we we keep them stable and appreciate as we move forward and confident that the the people we put in place to to replace Hark to replace Stan will do that and Pete and then Pete thank you very much uh should be should be good to go I haven't been down the clubhouse today uh Cashy did say stop by and saw Pete carrying some boxes and as Cashy said he's carrying boxes I think he's fine so we'll uh yeah he seems to be okay um condition aggravated by just the cold weather uh but something entirely manageable and should be just fine I know you got a lot more to do. We appreciate some time, and uh, good luck. We'll be talking to you plenty, I'm sure, this offseason. Thanks very much. We'll, uh, we'll take it and try to obsess over what we can do better to win that last game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we certainly appreciate the time of one Eric Neander as we took a, an overview, big picture of uh, the Rays season. And obviously it was a successful year at the minor league level, too, where the Rays continue to get players who can help the Rays short and long term. And joining us is the head of minor league operations for the Rays and Jeff McLaren. Jeff, uh, three championships, four full season clubs. How do you look at this season gone by? Well, you know, like every year, we we want to be playing our players, be playing meaningful games into September. Um, and and we were able to do that really at all levels. Um, you know, we weren't able to necessarily win the final game in, in double A or at the FCL level. But both of those those clubs were were playing in really competitive, meaningful games all the way through to the end of their season. And that's what we strive for. I mean, obviously winning is, is great, but it's the experience of playing in, in you know, tough, pressure packed games um, is something that you just can't create on the fly. And so for really up and down the system, our players to get that experience so that hopefully they're prepared for it when they have to play some pressure packed games in the big leagues come that time in their career, they're ready for it. And uh, on that note, it was a successful, successful year. All five of the teams again in the States ended up in the postseason, and the two that were eliminated uh, before winning a championship lost by one run in those but what are you do think some of the key development stories, Jeff, as you look at the players themselves and the individual stories? 
Absolutely. And I think it's probably best to start with um, some guys that uh, picked up some work for us internally, um, you know, our, our pitcher and player of the year, uh, those being, you know, Mason Montgomery, our pitcher of the year, and Kyle Manzardo, our uh, player player of the year. Mason was a guy who, you know, we didn't get to see a whole lot of in 21 after his draft season, just given the timing of the year and, and you know, the, the innings that he had put on um, as an amateur. But uh, there were definitely signs that this is a guy that we need to keep an eye on. And really, from the moment we saw him in spring training, our pitching coaches and, and really all of our coaches that got a chance to see him were pretty excited about what could happen. And, you know, it was a somewhat aggressive assignment to have him start um, at high A, skip over low A completely. And he showed us, you know, by midseason that he was even ready for the next challenge. And so there was a lot of positive development with him, learning how to use his, his arsenal against more advanced hitters um, and continuing to to step up and meet the challenge. And that was uh, really exciting. And, and I think we're going to continue to springboard from here with, with Mason and hopefully he's a, the next in, in a line of pretty strong left-handed starting pitchers that have, have come through the system and helped impact the big league team. Switching over to Kyle, a, another guy that even early on last year, right after the draft, we knew he could hit. You know, there was a really strong bat to ball skills, but there were some questions about how much the power would come. You know, does he provide any defensive value? And he's really, really stepped up challenge to and he, he knew those questions and he wanted to answer them himself and, and what he was able to do with uh the way he was able to impact the ball this year moving up multiple levels ending the year in double a and really the, the effort that he put into uh what he was doing pregame to get better defensively and really turned into one of our better defensive first basemen throughout the system and got credit for that among some of the leagues that he played in about how well he was able to handle defensively on top of putting up some really really otherworldly numbers offensively Going into the year, your your top two players, and maybe still are Taj Bradley and Curtis Mead. How do you assess the years they had? Uh, Curtis, I know, had an injury at the end of the year, and Taj was, you know, up and down in AAA at times. Yeah, I, starting with Curtis, the the injury was really unfortunate for for him for us. He had really shown that last year was was no fluke, and that he was he was building off of it, and he was what he was able to do pretty quickly in double a showing that he was ready for for the next level and where he was settling in in triple a i think that talking with our coaching staff there they they were really surprised every time they looked at his age on on the roster to think man this is a guy is m- way more mature than than what you would think from um a player his age at this level just the way he thought about the game the way he went about his business and i think you know we were really ready to see even an even another spike in his performance right before the injury hit uh, but, you know, Curtis has tackled so far, tackled the the rehab uh, as well as anybody could have hoped um, is is pressing forward to try to to get back for healthy spring training. We don't think there'll be any issue with that, but really to get his his offseason work in so that he he comes into to next year ready to put himself in a position to hopefully help the big league club at some point during the year. Ta- oh, Taj. Uh, yeah, I think Taj, again, it is showed that that last year was was no fluke the the success that he was able to show at uh, the a ball levels continued in in high or continued in double a and really was able at times just to overmatch hitters there and and he did hit a few bumps in the road as he got into triple a and i think that was all part of the the learning experience as you know he's gonna have to to adapt to the way that hitters are adapting to him and there were a lot of signs of progress as the year went along as he tried to incorporate um, you know, some of his third and fourth pitches to make sure that he's a well-rounded pitcher and not just somebody that's going to outstuff uh, the other lineup. And so, again, still incredibly excited about where where he's headed with the next step in his career. 
obviously there are a lot of other really good stories too. From an injury standpoint, I would think the end of the year, the way Cole Wilcox pitched, who you got in the Blake Snell trade, the way he came back was pretty darn encouraging. Are there any other guys in that kind of same vein who you were encouraged just the way they finished the year? Yeah. Wilcox obviously is, is an obvious one. Um, just being able to make it all the way back from, from Tommy John and being able to show the same stuff that he had prior to the injury. Um, it was, you know, you never, never know how quickly those things are going to come back. And I think he still has some things to work on with, with command and consistency, but the stuff was there and we're pretty excited about a guy who has that upper echelon type stuff to have it, it remain intact and, and be ready to tackle 23 with, with that guy um, in our stable. It's, it's uh, it, it was pretty fun to, to think about the success that we were having and then being like, being able to look around and say, Oh, we're going to get to add, you know, Cole Wilcox. Uh, we're going to add a Dylan Paulson next year, adding back, you know, Colby white, Ian Seymour, some guys that are they're on the mend and, and will be impactful players for us in, in 23 and get to add to a group that's already really strong. Uh, some other guys that, that continued down the stretch. Uh, I think what Olea Vespasabe did uh, during the second half of the season, continuing to put together really, really strong at bats, moving up a level to go to double a, um, you know, he, he got banged up at the end of the year. And I think that was a, a, a real knock to that team because he had come, become such a focal point of that, that lineup uh, with what he was able to do, making contact and really putting together really strong bats, you know, night after night. And a guy that we're, we're a lot more excited about now than we were say 12 months ago. And then in terms of the Arizona fall league, you still have some players going at it right now. I would guess the biggest story is Mason Hour, your base runner of the year, his first full year in the system. He's also in the fall league. What led to that? Yeah, Mason is a guy that coming out of the draft, we knew had really high ceiling tools. Um, you know, the ability to run, to hit for power, to to throw really towards the top of the scale in all of those tools. But it was uh, a little more unclear where his skill level was going to be, how he was going to be able to to you know hit for average, how he was able to just put all those tools together, and I think outpaced even our our highest expectations this year um, with the way he was able to to play the game uh, with these loud tools. And really, we wanted to kind of continue to to push that, and felt like he was also one that kept really good care of his body throughout the season, mentally stayed focused all the way from start to finish, and. And so yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a departure from the way we've handled things in the past to send somebody in their first full season um, out to the fall league. But we felt like if we we're going to do it with anyone, Mason was a, a great candidate, was really peaking both physically and mentally as the season was finishing. And so felt like an extra month to to really continue to challenge himself against some some pretty stiff competition out in Arizona was only going to set him up for an even bigger year in 23. And then what guys do you have going to Australia? And are there several others who are going to play some level of winter ball this year? Yeah, we've got, you know, a handful of guys that are headed out to Australia. We get to kind of resume our, our relationship with the Perth Heat out there. And actually this year is a, a full group of uh, Latin players from Latin America that are headed out there. On the position player side, uh, two guys who were really excited about the end of the year as mainstays in the Charleston lineup, uh, Willie Vasquez and Junior Caminero. Um, as well as three pretty exciting young pitchers that we've got that we're, we're excited about for, for their future development in Neraldo Catalina, Junior William, and uh, Juan Rodriguez. Yeah, and then in, in winter ball, we've got some some guys that are competing to, to make teams right now down in, in the Dominican. Uh, Christopher Ogando, Jose Lopez, uh, Carlos Garcia, all guys that could factor into um, 
two pitching staffs down there, uh, Aeroberto Hernandez, another guy that's competing for, for some opportunity. Um, and then we have a few folks who are, are lining up jobs potentially for Puerto Rico uh, to get some get some further reps. You probably would have had some more reps for some guys in the system this week, or at least wrapping up your instructional league. How hard was it to get everybody out, players, coaches, staff, and and how do things stand right now? So, yes, as we, you know, the last 10 days has been a pretty challenging uh, time period for for our group, uh, just in everybody throughout, you know, Southwest Florida as, as we dealt with with Hurricane Ian. This is one that we were monitoring, um, you know, pretty early uh, in its development to, to see how it might impact our camp and, and what we needed to do in order to keep everybody safe. And as the, you know, the models uh, continue to put our area um, in, in at risk, uh, we, we decided to make the decision to shut down camp early and, and try to get everybody home. And get out of harm's way and a real testament to our, our admin team who had to to work on the fly to yes yeah, schedule schedule and reschedule and cancel and rebook um, a bunch of flights and a, a bunch of travel logistics in order to get everybody out safely and thankfully we were able to get the group home before you know any any trouble hit you know we do still have a, a lot of folks that are were affected by the storm down in the area and those recovery efforts have have begun thankfully all, all people are accounted for. Um, and, you know, now it's just kind of picking up the pieces and, and helping our teammates uh, build back. And you had mentioned like rehab guys like Ian Seymour um, and Colby White. Do they now have to rehab at home? Will they have to, will they go to Tropicana Field? How will they can continue? Because normally Port Charlotte's kind of a center for a lot of minor league rehabs in the off season. Absolutely. Yeah. Come this time of year, that that is, is almost strictly a rehab facility. And right now, um, you know, just while our focus is on the, the recovery effort for our people down there. Uh, we have set up everybody to kind of do their, their current portion of their rehab at home, um, whether it's with some some doctors that, that we trust in their home areas or clinic PT clinics. Uh, but continuing that process, it's not, you know, not something that we can necessarily put on hold, but uh, best to do it away from Port Charlotte at the moment. And to get back to the big league club, you know, you guys had a lot of guys contribute to the big league team this year and them getting to the postseason for the fourth straight time. But there were also some young players, and I think we're seeing a bigger gap between AAA and the big leagues. How, as a, a group, can you guys help guys prepare for what's to come? Is that possible to make it an easier transition when the gap seems larger between the minor league level, the top level in the minors, and the and the major league level? We're certainly going to try. That was uh, certainly something that we we were this year is that the, the gap has widened and it is um, on us to make sure that that guys are prepared so that, you know, even if they don't hit the ground running, um, that that acclimation period between the AAA and the big leagues is, is as short as possible. And it is a challenge. You know, we're, we are in a division um, and in a spot in with our big league team that every game matters. And, you know, to, to, to learn on the fly in that kind of situation can be challenging. Uh, but we're going to stay at it, and I do think that there was a lot of progress made, even though it may not have shown up in in the stat lines or in the box scores. Uh, but the the guys who made or really kind of had their first extended periods of big league action this year are going to be much better for it uh, going into 23, and because of some of the challenges that they went through and some of the things that they learned along the way. And and yes, we're we're going to spend some time this off season discussing how we can can do even better, and and hope to with the next wave of guys. Uh, that are going to you know, impact the club are, are as prepared as they can be. Jeff, good stuff. We appreciate some time. 
Thanks for being with us on the latest podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Neil. Well, certainly appreciate the time of one Jeff McLaren on the podcast today. Certainly very much appreciate the candid answers from Ray's president of baseball operations, Eric Neander. A reminder that we will have continued content throughout the course of the offseason. We'll have podcasts, I would say, on average, about a weekly basis during the course of the offseason. It'll vary depending on what news is going on, and that goes right up until spring training with probably a break during the holidays themselves. Um, And then you can always follow our blog. We'll probably post regularly, maybe two, three times a week, more on some weeks, less on others, uh, raceradio.moblogs.com. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. If you have something you want to hear, you can tweet me at Neil Solanzer at Race Radio. And thanks again for listening to our Race Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.